Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Today I'm starting a new brand new collection of talks uh, called The Sermon on the Mount. It's a very original title uh, about something that's never been preached on ever before. Uh, we're discovering some new ground here. Um, but no, as I, as I look through the book of Matthew, specifically the beginning, uh, you come up to chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, and from 5 to 7, there's about three chapters, two and a half chapters or so, of, of Jesus' teachings that are probably the most talked about teachings that, of, of anything Jesus ever said. It was something that, that revolutionized the world that he was in and, and changed the faith or the understanding of our relationship with God more than anything that had come and gone before. And so as we, as we look at this calendar, as I, as I gathered the staff at the beginning of January and we looked, we realized that, man, there's, there's so many things that are happening back to back uh, right up until Easter. I don't know if you guys know this, but Easter's in two months, eight weeks. You better go get your Easter egg baskets or whatever, right? Stock up on those Reese's hearts because they're going out quick and eggs are coming in, boys. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but as we prepare, as we look forward to, to the celebration of, of Easter, I looked at, I looked at this, this Sermon on the Mount, and it's perfectly laid out to lead up towards that. And so for the next eight weeks, we're just going to, I'm going to read from the Word. We're going to discover. We're going to talk about it a little bit. I'm going to share some stories. But we're going to listen to the words of Jesus, which I believe were so powerful then, and they're incredibly powerful for us now through what we're going through. And so we're just going to open up our hearts and our minds and say, Jesus, have your way. Teach us what you want us to know, and we'll go through, we'll go through that. So I'm really excited. Also, I want to challenge you during this time to spend time in the Word. Take some time this week, uh, maybe at your lunch break, uh, maybe on your way to work. Uh, you know, the Bible app that we use uh, through Uversion is a fantastic tool. It'll read it to you. Uh, but you could be into, you could be looking at reading into this. You could read this every day for the next uh, next eight weeks. And I promise you, you'll get something different out of each and every time. But it's Matthew chapter five is where we're going to start, and we're going to uh, just end up in the first twelve verses this week. If you want to, if you want to take it out there. When it comes to this telling of of what Jesus taught, it comes from Matthew. Matthew is probably the early, earliest recollection or the earliest story or time to talk about Jesus's life here on this earth. And so it's it's in this beginning part, these first 12 verses, it's really an introduction to all these amazing things that Jesus is going to teach about. One of the things I need you to understand for context, though, is as Jesus is communicating to, to his disciples and to the people around him, I want you to kind of try to feel like maybe you're there as well. And so he's going to start being descriptive of where they're at and what they're doing. I want you to just envision yourself in the same place. At the same time, you got to understand that, that when it comes to uh, the Hebrew people, there was, in those days, the Israelites, that, that they were under Roman control. So today we are, we are blessed to live in a country that is free. We are self-governing. But imagine if that wasn't the case. Imagine if, if, if there was another country that was, 
was over us and that ruled over us. And this is similar to what the, the, the Hebrew people would have felt at this time. And so as they're under Roman control, as they've, they've got a very specific way of they think that the community should be run and, and their culture says uh, things should be done in a certain order and, and, and they're very uh, ritualistic and rule-following, as they're going through this, Jesus comes in, the introduction to the sermon, and he completely flips a script. He completely changes their way of thinking about life, about religion, about a relationship with Jesus. And I believe that that same thing, that same flipping of the script, that same changing of culture needs to happen in our own lives today. As, as we read this, my hope is that our brains, our hearts get out of the idea of, of, of being stuck in that keeping up with the Joneses mentality, that worrying and stress about money and time and our kids, and, and all the things that the world says are okay, but that we might shift our way of thinking and flip the script and focus on what Jesus has for us and what Jesus says about what our culture should be. And Jesus says what, how our relationship with him should be. I love the verse out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, uh, and, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. He goes on, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to challenge you today that one of the reasons that we Tell people, hey, get into your words, spend some time studying the Bible, spend some time listening, reading. It's because ultimately we're called to not be a mirror of what our culture says is acceptable. We're supposed to be a mirror of what Christ says. And, and the only way that we can do that is by changing the way that we think, by studying on it, by spending time, by spending time in it. I don't have points today, but if there was things for you to remember about this message, the first thing I think you need to understand is this, is what culture says can be the exact opposite of what Christ says. For me as a follower of, of Christ, I want to make sure that I'm, as a Christian, I'm going to follow Christ, not, not follow culture. Matthew chapter, three, or chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, Jesus starts this communication, and, and you would think like when you start preaching a message or when you, when, if you, anyone here ever had to do public speaking before? Any of you would do anything to do public, not do public speaking ever? A couple people? Perfect, yep. You know, it's, it comes up as like one of the top fears, like, like there's, goes like public speaking and then like drowning and then like fire and sharks. I'm like, bro, this is a, that's a big deal. But when it comes to public speaking, one of the things that you, you, you've got to understand is you've got to grab people's attention. Right? You want, to, you want to capture people's attention. You want to build a little bit of tension even in what you're talking about because it'll hold people. People think, like, well, what is he going to Part of the reason why I think people like uh, coming to Coastline is because they know that at any point I could get in trouble with what comes through his microphone. I'm going to say something stupid. I'm going to get yelled at in the car on the way home. I'm going to do the dumb husband stuff. Part of you guys are just coming because you're like, what train wreck is going to happen this morning? Right? 
There's something with the tension that grabs people. And so here Jesus goes and he, and he starts building tension by flipping the script on what culture says and what, what the religious law had says. And he changes it. He elevates it. He says this. He said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Now, culture would say, if you looked at someone that was poor, or if, in, in my case, you feel like someone is poor, you don't feel real blessed. Same thing in those days. They, they would have thought if someone was well-to-do or someone was well-off or they were highly successful or had a big house or lots of money, then they, then they were blessed. But here Jesus says, hey, culture says one thing. I'm saying something else. God blesses those who are pure and realize their need for him. He's redirecting their understanding to say, hey, where is your foundation? Where is your focus? Is it on your finance or is it on God? He says, he continues on, says, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 4 says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I don't know about you, I've, I've experienced some, some mourning in my time. And, and there's nothing good that I feel that comes from it. There's time, I've been in that moment where, where you feel sad and you feel that heartbreak or that heart hurt. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe it was a, a breakup when you went through. Maybe it was a, a job that you got let go of that you didn't expect to happen. Maybe, maybe there was some crazy thing that happened to you financially. Maybe it was a, a, a loss that you experienced in your family. But that feeling that you feel does not feel like you are blessed. The feeling that you feel in that moment feels like you're alone. The first thing I'd say today is, is, is follow Christ, not your culture. But the second thing that you need to understand, the second thing I believe one of the things that Jesus is communicating in this is that you are not alone. He said, blessed are those that mourn because they will be comforted. One, I think that we're charged with comforting one another by helping one another. That's part of why we connect each and every week. But also, and to, to springboard off what Caleb was talking about, I believe that the Holy Spirit comes down and comforts us in these times. I believe that there's opportunity to receive blessing. There's good that can happen, that can come from times of mourning. Uh, my, uh, my wife and I um, have uh, been together for, I think, like 13 years of marriage. Um, lucky 13. We're doing good. She hasn't killed me yet or kicked me out or anything like that. Um, God knows I deserve it, all those things. Um, but, uh, but in those 13 years, man, we've had tons and tons of experiences, um, some of them good, some of them bad. Uh, we've, we've experienced uh, people at their worst, and we've experienced people at, at their best. One of the best times uh, I, I ever experienced uh, doing life with my wife is when we were doing youth ministry. You know, it's something that's a, it's a big need that we have here at Coastline right now. We've got all these kids coming up through middle school, and middle school is going to lead to high school. And even in this area, there's like not very many opportunities for youth ministry that go on. But in, in our early ages, our days of being married, we were youth pastors, and we had a group of uh, fluctuating anywhere from 100 to 150 kids that would come out. And uh, we set up skateboard ramps, and we fed them pizza, and we had a fantastic time. We did uh, lock-ins where you, I don't know who thought of a lock-in before, but that person should be arrested because who says we should take a bunch of teenagers 
and feed them Red Bulls and pizza and keep them up for 24 hours. Man, the poor adult volunteers that I had, that God blessed, needs to bless those people because they were the true winners. Uh, the, I, the fact that they could get through some of that stuff was crazy. Also, the blessing of God was on my life because not one time did I have to take a kid to a hospital for a broken arm or anything like that. But in our time of being youth pastors, it was a, it was a beautiful time of seeing these young kids find Jesus and take their next steps. I remember going to a summer camp with these kids, and many times at the summer, after a week of spending time doing church with them and speaking to them about uh, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and teaching them from the Word, that, that many of them would make decisions at the end of that time to be baptized, to start a relationship with Jesus. One kid specifically was, uh, uh, definitely became one of my quick favorites, and uh, his name was Brandon. And Brandon, uh, Brandon is a hoot. Brandon's that kid that, like, always said the thing that should not be said, right? You know those people, these people? We've got those people around. They have like no filter whatsoever. Uh, just a kind person to be around for sure. Could love the people around, but he would say the thing that you're like, you shouldn't say that. Uh, I remember uh, uh, Brandon, as we went to youth camp, he comes afterwards and, and, and with tears in his eyes and, and this heartfelt thing, he's like, man, I just want to thank you so much for, for what you've been doing in my life. You know, I uh, my dad's not been around, and, and I'm thankful for how much you spent time with me. And I want you to know that, that man, seeing you, I want, I, want you to, I want to take my next step. I want you to baptize me. I said, man, that's awesome. And as a, as a youth pastor, it's like the thing that like, swells your heart up more than anything. I said, well, one thing we got to do is we got to go talk to your mom. Brandon's mom, uh, she, she probably would have identified as a Christian at the time, but she did not go to church anywhere. Um, she was a very sweet lady. And uh, she said, well, well I, I'm happy for you to get baptized, but I want to I watch it. I want to see it happen. And so we come from camp. We come back, and we go to the ocean, and Brandon's mom shows up, and, and he gets baptized, and he's soaking wet. He comes up and gives me this big hug and just grinning from ear to ear. And I wish I would have showed some pictures of it. It, it, was, it was probably the peak, uh, one of my favorite times as a youth pastor. I sat there, and I shared the Lord's Prayer with Brandon, He's accepted the Lord into his heart. He took the step of making it public through baptism. It was beautiful. About, about three weeks later, Brandon's mom called me. He said, Brian, I, I need you to get to the hospital. Something, something bad has happened to Brandon. Brandon, at the age of 16, in the bathroom at his own house, suffered a massive brain aneurysm in a matter of seconds, passed away. This fun, loving, beautiful kid was here once, one second, was gone the next. And as a young guy that's 26 years old, how do, how do I say anything to a mom who's lost her 16-year-old 16 that will bring her comfort? How do I say anything to, to my other youth kids as we gather around and we pray for Brandon's mom and Brandon's brother? The heartache that I felt and the heartache that I experienced around me was incredibly great. I have peace in my heart, and I know where Brandon is at right now. That brings me comfort. 
And over the next couple years, we would see this group of people that went through this heartbreak and mourning together come around one another and rally around one another and help each other out. Brandon's mom started attending church about seven months after Brandon passed away to be with the Lord. I got the great pleasure of baptizing his mom and her son, Brandon's brother. Brandon's mom's part of a church now and fully devoted follower of Jesus. And at no point, looking back on it, at no point as she was going through it, would she have ever felt like she was blessed. But as I see the people that rallied around her, I see that where she's at now. And I see the peace that she has because she knows where Brandon's at. She's blessed in a lot more ways than what she could be. And the one thing that she does know is that she's not alone. For many of us, I think the enemy comes in when we go through the times of mourning and wants us to think that we're alone. That there's nothing that we can do about it. And I want to communicate to you that from the words of Jesus, he said that in these times, you're not alone. You will be comforted. You will experience, you will experience comfort. Two things from the story is you need to know that one, you're not alone for whatever you're going through. And also in this moment, I feel like I gotta tell you that when it comes to this life that we have, this adventure that we all share in together, the Bible says it, it is but a vapor. Up until that moment, I did not know what that meant. Today, we have this time together right now. But what happens outside of here, will none of us know. So in the moment, today, as we leave, do we choose culture or do we, do we, choose, do we choose Christ? As we continue on in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 to 6, Jesus continues to teach those around him as they're sitting on top of this mountainside. As he's talking to his disciples, he's, he's, he's changing the script. He's flipping their, their understanding of what it means to be a follower. He says, he says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. It didn't make sense because culture in those days said, if you had a lot, then you were blessed. Jesus says, no, if, you, if you're humble, you'll be blessed. Verse 6, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. He said, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The last thing, last point I want you to remember in this message, I believe that Jesus hits on many times for these past four verses. Jesus came to communicate a message of hope. And that is, as we pursue him, 
the best is still yet to come. It, it doesn't matter of, of where you're at right now. It doesn't matter if you feel poor. God blesses the poor. The best is still yet to come. For what you're going through with your job, if you choose today, Christ, I promise you, the best is still yet to come. We've got to hold on to the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 11 says this as the band comes back up. It says, God blesses the blessed. Jesus at this point, he switches from talking to everyone. All the verses before, he said, God blesses those. And at some point, he switches it and he makes it personable. He talks, he says, directly to us. He says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. That verse 12 where Jesus tells them to be happy about it. In the midst of the tough things that we go through, it's, it's hard to think, man, I'm going to be happy about this. I'm going to be happy about someone speaking bad about me or gossiping about me or spreading lies about me. I'm, I'm, it's hard to be happy when, when I don't have a lot of money in the bank account, when I don't have any sort of peace because I don't know what's going to happen with my job. It's hard for me to experience happiness and be blessed when, when I'm going through a separation with my spouse. The thing that we've got to hold on to is where do you put your hope? I believe if we put our hope in Christ Jesus, if we surrender these things, these worries, anxieties, and stresses that we have, if we'll give up of it all, say, Jesus, have your way. The best is still yet to come. Brandon's mom wakes up every day believing in the hope that is Christ Jesus. And I guarantee you, if she was here on the stage to tell you about it, she would tell you that's the thing that got her through what she went through. I don't know what you're going through. God does. The Holy Spirit does. He wants to help you through it. But the ways of the world and the way of culture might not be the way of you getting through it. It might be time for you to surrender and release and say, Christ, I choose you, not my culture. Jesus, I, I trust in you, not in my brain power, not in my planning, not in my work ethic or my finances, not in the, 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 the leadership ladder in the job that I have, not in the housing market or the financial sector or anything else in between. But say, Jesus, I, I choose you. I think it's the best decision that you can make today. I don't want to challenge you to make it. I want to challenge you to, to take it and put it into action here this next week. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you feel far from him, if today you want to start one, to, I, want, I want to remind you that, that we're only given today, right now. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. 
But in this moment, for whatever you're going through, if you want to choose Jesus, if you want to take a next step in a relationship with him, if you want to start a relationship with him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, this is between you and God. If you want to take a step towards him, you can pray this to yourself. You can repeat it after me. The prayer would go something like this. Jesus, you know all that I am. What I've done and every sin that I've ever committed. Today, I confess it all to you and ask for you to forgive me and wash me pure as snow. Take away anything that would separate me from you and your plan for my life. I commit my life to you. I declare you as my own Lord and Savior. Show me what's next and let me draw closer to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much for how you're challenging us. As we get into this next week, as we uh, are faced with the choice to choose culture or choose you, I pray that we would remind ourselves what we learned today. That blessing comes from following you. Blessing comes from putting our faith, hope, and trust in you. And God, I pray that as we take that step, as we take those actions towards you, not what the world would say, but what you would want to do, I pray that you would show up in a big way. I pray that we would be able to celebrate stories where people would come find me and say, Brian, you don't know what God's doing. Let me tell you about it. Jesus, I pray that you would work mightily in us, your followers, and prepare us for what's to happen here this next week. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.